everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. We are going to talk about the Mind Robber, but before I do that, I would like to welcome in my good friend, Taylor. Taylor, how are you? I'm pretty well. Uh, I feel like ever since turning 40 last weekend, uh, everybody in the family has had some level of being under the weather. So oh, yes, that's correct. Someone had a birthday. I Yes, it did. Happy birthday. Belated Thank birthday, you, podcast birthday, I guess. Yeah, that worked because you totally like messaged me and stuff day of and everything and it's all good. Excellent. So yeah, we're, we're slowly getting better, but I'm also kind of like, okay, this weekend was kind of non-existent. <laughs> we're oh, all boy. so tired right now. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty well. I actually went to a birthday party last night. Did you now? And um, it was at my fr- my friends bought the Blank Club in downtown San Jose and re they I guess redid it and made it um, uh, their own nightclub. So my friends have a nightclub. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, and um, it's pretty sweet. I went there for the first time last night for some friends' birthdays, and uh, let me tell you, there's there's a lot of beverages happening. Hashtag drunge. Hashtag drunge. Yes, indeed. It was a good time. It was. Uh, it was good. good. Feeling it. Feeling it a little bit this morning, but other than that, I'm. I'm doing a okay. Right on. So we had. Um, I think I messaged you last night and said I'm very excited to talk about the mind robber. And yes. Before we do that, we have a couple of who news items to get to. Yes, we do. So this first one here is uh, Den of Geek UK reports that class isn't really suitable for young viewers, which I feel was something that we had spoken about before and it was kind of a rumor going around. I, yeah, I kind of feel like right out the gate, it was like billed as a, you know, oh, it's a it's a young adult spinoff. But at the same time, they were describing it as like, you know, hip and sexy and the ever vague right now. Uh-huh. And I'm like okay and then when they finally kind of come out and it's like yeah you know this this we know we talked about the whole kids thing it's not really for kids yeah it's um (laughs) the bbc is usually pretty vague about things i Um, yeah apparently and i wonder if i don't i wonder if we're going to be surprised by how this show turns out I'll be really curious. Um, like I'm, I'm hesitant still. Yeah, I am. I'm. I am too. I mean, obviously, we will both watch it and we will report to you, the viewer or the listener. You're not viewing anything. Maybe you're looking at your phone right now. <laughs> Hi there. I'm waiting. <laughs> we'll let you know our thoughts on the uh, the first episode. But our second piece of news is there was a Facebook Q and A uh, with the class. Er- there was a Facebook Q&A with the cast of Class. Say that three times fast. Right. <laughs> and it has confirmed the following. Uh, Peter Capaldi is definitely in the first episode, which is called For Tonight We Might Die. Oh, it's just... No like, pretension there. No, not at all. Uh, BBC America will air Class alongside season 10 of Doctor Who in 2017, despite it airing in the UK starting October 22nd. Uh, We may have to get that via nefarious means. 
we we might have to employ uh, some timey wimey technology in order to uh, yes to get a hold of things. I don't know. I, I I don't know why did they do this. I don't understand. Just release it, it at the it, same time. It, exactly. It doesn't make sense to me at all. I mean, I get it from kind of a marketing point of view. It's like, oh, it's going to be like an all Doctor Who related, you know, power block on yeah. Saturdays or whatever. And it's, you know, the world just doesn't operate that way anymore. It's like, yeah. you know, things can be accessed globally so easily. Yes. You just you just have to release it. Just just do it. And just release the tapes. <laughs> right. Uh, episode two will be called The Coach with the Dragon Tattoo. I know. Don't these episode titles just imbue us with such confidence in this show? Uh, uh, I'll put up the, um, the links for both of those will be in the show notes so you can peruse them at your leisure. Look at that. Words. Look at that. I know. And multi-syllable I, words. We're actually going to be talking a lot about words because this week, oh man, we watched the Mind Robber, starring Patrick Troughton as the Doctor, Fraser Hines and Hamish Wilson as Jamie, Wendy Padbury as Zoe, and Emrys Jones as the Master dot 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 of the Land <laughs> of Fiction. Nice. It was written by Peter Ling and directed by David Maloney, and it first aired September fourteenth. To October 18th, 1968. Holy moly. <laughs> that was a while ago. Wasn't it? So, Almost 50 years. Oy, wow. Yikes. So, Taylor, as always, we have story notes. I will let you take it away. We do. Uh, Hamish Wilson played Jamie in episodes two and three when Fraser Hines contracted chickenpox. And we will talk in depth as to how they actually made that work, because I was very impressed by it. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, one of the clockwork robots, uh, which I think were probably the uh, the toy soldiers. Yeah. Uh, actually, in this story is portrayed by Fraser Hines's brother, Ian. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this next one kind of blew me away and started my brain down some interesting pathways but the master of the land of fiction uh in this story was a pulp fiction writer who is scripting the adventures of captain jack hart away uh <laughs> in a magazine called the ensign uh he was kidnapped from england during the summer of 1926 and it is strongly implied that he's the great children's author frank richards who i i maybe he's really popular in england but i i don't know who that is i don't either um, yeah, the, the simple fact that we have a Captain Jack, not just that, but a Captain Jack Hark, uh, anything is yeah. like, okay, wait a second. Are we getting some, some influence yes, from that this was, part of Classic Who? That was very, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I had to rewind it and like, listen to it again. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So. Uh, in the story, also, the doctor pulls the emergency power booster unit control lever, which has a very long label on it, uh, just before the <laughs> TARDIS is disassembled, or if you watch the episode, uh, it actually appears to explode. Yes. Also, something we've seen in New Who. Yes, indeed. The, the TARDIS exploding and the, like the console just sitting there by itself. Yeah. Uh, albeit not with Zoe curled up on it, but we'll get to that. Yes, we will. (laughs) 
So the um, the white robots, I love these robots, and we'll talk about them more in depth, uh, that close in on Jamie and Zoe in the void outside the TARDIS were pr- actually previously used in an episode of the science fiction television series Out of the Unknown in an episode called The Prophet, which was originally transmitted on the 1st of January 1967. Uh, this episode no longer exists in the BBC archives, though. How interesting. Something that doesn't exist in the BBC archives. Right, from I that I am era. shocked. Shocked, I say. Right? Now it would be neat if there was some sort of, I don't know, old print of it laying around somewhere and you could see when these robots were first used. But yeah. I find that highly unlikely. Nope. This one they probably hit with a hammer twice. <laughs> yeah, right. Instead of like the old Doctor Who, just one hit, hammer hit, this one it got two. And really wrecked it. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, Taylor, <laughs> as always, you have a world-famous synopsis for us. I do, and this one gets probably a little meta, but let's dive into it. The Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe, in an attempt to escape a rather foamy volcano, or maybe it was just bad indigestion, <laughs> managed to explode the TARDIS and also managed to find themselves in a land of fiction, only to experience one of the most brilliantly bonkers stories we have ever reviewed on podcastica i 100 percent agree with that um, i mean we've done we've done bonkers we've done really bonkers but this was bonkers done so well it was and it's a classic who episode which we or excuse me which i complain about pacing a lot and this was just <clears throat> great I was never, and it was great because you had to be in it the entire time because they were giving you so much information. And they so really, much cra- really were. Yeah, so much crazy stuff was happening. And my actual first note here before I actually dive into the actual episode is I had originally watched this episode before I think we even had the thought of doing Podcastica or okay. podcasts in general. I think this was after I came back from a Gallifrey and I was like, I want to watch some old Doctor Who. And <laughs> I, I remember watching this episode and getting a very, like, this is almost the classic version of Amy's Choice in a way. Uh, absolutely. Because there there comes a point, I think, in the first episode where I've got a note where I'm like, I'm getting a really, really heavy Dream Lord vibe. Oh, yeah. It was like you were almost, like, the sound that they were hearing could have just been replaced by birds chirping. Oh, yeah, and can I just let's just talk for a second about that because at a, a couple points I kind of had a moment watching uh this story where I was like, wow, there is a huge absence of music. Yes, in this entire story and their use of sound whether it be with the robots, whether it's this horrible uh screeching uh, kind of sound that the doctor's hearing inside the TARDIS. Um, it's it's very, it's almost very amped up yes. in a lot of ways. Because when I was watching it, you know, like after I've put my son to bed, I'm kind of like, oh, I should probably turn this down. This is going to wake him up. <laughs> yeah, it was um, just everything. Uh, everything about this entire serial is. I'm trying to find my note on it but i i don't think i've mentioned the camera work so much in a classic who episode than i did in my notes in this one um they yeah they did a really good job i want to look up i want to look up 
other stuff David Maloney has directed, and I want to watch it because he just did. There were like nice tight shots. Mm-hmm. There was the the over the shoulder stuff we would get. Um, it was just oh, it was so good. I just really really liked it a lot. Yeah, this is this is really one of those episodes where you know we talk about really early Who and elements of pacing, and then we talk more about mid Who and this kind of like what are you doing with the pacing? You know, yeah. where, where they, they, I've talked about them kind of like realizing too late and then overreacting. And this, we are in like prime, prime pacing. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Oh yeah. No, it, this is grade a pacing for sure. It completely is. And you're right. The level of the level of attention you have to give this story, especially if you haven't read like, Curtis Wickia first, like I have to do in preparation for this. Um, and yeah, you just kind of have to suck all of this in. Can you imagine what it would have been like watching this story when it first aired? No, I could not. I honestly, mean, it would have been trippy and scary and just, you would have had been wrapped to the TV having to go, Oh my gosh, what's going on? What, what what are they referencing? And you wouldn't get it all in one blast. Like oh, you no. and I can watch it all in one evening. Yeah, this is, you mull over it for a while. This is five weeks. Oh, man. So I guess let's um do as uh, my movie review teacher in college said, um, let's start at the beginning. Let's. <laughs> So we With a are very quick opening. Yes, we are like we're in it at the beginning, which is funny because I mean we mentioned the quick opening, and at the end of the story, it is literally like, well, that's the end of the story, and then the credits roll. It is right, so quick to end and so quick to start, which is the start of this is we're hanging out near an active volcano, apparently, or just a foam maker. I can't tell. It, yeah, it might have been um, a giant. With baking soda and uh, what vinegar? <laughs> yes, someone's uh, they they had landed the TARDIS in someone's um, science fair project. Fourth grade science. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I mean, we we are in peril. We have to we have to go, but we can't. So we pull this weird emergency thing that will send us somewhere, but we don't know where. Which always seems like something right. you should have. <laughs> Well, I don't know where this is going to send us, but not here. Yeah, this this is the not the get out of jail free card, but the the, the get out of here and yeah, just take us anywhere. Yes, please, just uh, take us anywhere. Thing. It seemed like the the TARDIS cracked radiator as it was doing it, so it was getting all steamy. Oh yes, oh my goodness. In the room. I did also enjoy <laughs> as we talk about just like the filming of this. I did enjoy that we actually saw the like model TARDIS submerged in what was supposed to be lava. I thought that was, uh, you know, it kind of looked a little corny, but it was just a cool thing to be like, uh, is are they going to get out of here? What's happening? Yeah, no, I, I, I lolled at that, but that actually was really well done. I mean, obviously we're looking at it with, you know, many decades of special effects oh, yeah. built on from that. Yeah, that was, was a nice little effect. Now, I have a, no- a note here that um, says... Change Zoe, you look like a ragamuffin. And I feel that's something <laughs> yes. that Jamie says to her, and then she changes, and my note to that It'll is, pop. no, not into that. Now you look like you're in this island earth. 
I, I must have been, um, I must have been more easily swooned uh, this week because mine was just like, whoa, sparkle Zoe. Yes, very, very sparkly. Not, I'm not saying it looked bad. I'm just saying that's the first thing that came to it, my mind. Gotcha. Fair enough. In fact, I think I've got a, I think it's a 25th anniversary, like retrospective book that was released for Doctor Who back in 1988. And it's got a lot of old pictures of classic Who that at that time I really hadn't watched. And I, I'm 99% certain there is a picture of Wendy Padbury in that book, in that outfit. And even you know, in 1980, I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and tack another 25 years on, and yep, totally true. Still holds up. Still holds up. So my first note about Zoe is, I'm, I'm, is this our first Zoe story? I feel like it is. I could be wrong. It's the first one we've done. Yeah. It's um, not her first story on Doctor It's the first one we've done. Right, right, right. I, f- I feel like she's very sharp. It almost yes. feels like there's a weird jealousy between... I don't even know if that's true. I, I was getting a vibe that the doctor would talk to her about a lot of like technical stuff. But at the same time, I I almost want to take back that statement and say the three of these uh, characters, they gel together very well. They do. This they, is a good Team TARDIS right now. Yes, the, it is very good Team TARDIS where you have Zoe who knows a lot of technical stuff, is more like book smart, and the doctor can play off her pretty well. But then you also have Jamie, who is more street smart, and the Doctor and him get along very well. So it's just uh-huh. a great group that seems to care about each other. And I don't, I don't know if like it, it's it's well known on the show that I love Fraser Hines. I think he's he's great, but he is just doing like in these first like the first episode here, he's just killing it like. I believe everything he's saying. I, I'm just like in it. I'm in it, and I'm like, yes, Jamie, he's great. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I I totally get that. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Fraser Hines also just recently celebrated a birthday. So happy birthday to him. Yes, happy birthday, sir. Um, but I have to say that his face superimposed over Scotland is is something that's just going to stay with me forever. <laughs> yes, the overlapping of so we land in this place and no monitor no monitors are working. Nothing is happening. They can't see outside. The doctor, I don't know, he's got to go check some levels or something. So Zo- <laughs> so Zoe and Jamie are in the console room. They're just hanging out. And then we just hear like bagpipes and it's like, yes, there's Scotland. And then it's like they do the overlapping of film where it's like Jamie's face and a picture of Scotland. It could have been his high school senior portrait almost. Yes. And <laughs> it's 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 funny because Zoe's like, don't go outside. We shouldn't go outside. And Frazier's like, Frazier, we're buddies now, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Jamie says, oh, right, you're right. And then we see wherever Zoe's from, which I thought was funny that she doesn't actually mention. She says, it's my hometown. She doesn't actually say, like, where she's from. Right. And I and I obviously, I didn't know while I was watching it. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, is she from the Secret Space Program's moon base or something? Because that's totally what it looked like to me. Yeah, and I actually did not look it up to see where she's actually from. I did. Oh, all right. Let's let's hear it. 
I made a point of looking that up last night. Yeah, she's actually from late 21st century Earth, which is oh yes, okay. which is apparently what that's going to look like in you know another 50 years for us. Um, and um, she is obviously she's very immersed in the sciences, and apparently she's actually about 16 years old. Oh, really? When she first joins the TARDIS huh. team, um, obviously not looking 16 years old, right? Um, I also probably wouldn't put her much past maybe 21 or 22 yeah. for what that's worth. Um, but yes, looking up her character info on TARDIS Wiki, yeah, that's what I got. So that actually is Earth, not the moon, despite it looking a lot like a moon base. And as soon as you said that she was from Earth, but, um, probably in, well, obviously in the future, it, we, sh- we, I should have doubled back to that because we know that information because she talks about this character that we're introduced to later being in a comic oh. strip from the 2000s. Well, yes. Now, granted, she, the info that I got is she's, um, she's from like the 2070s. Oh, okay. So the, the comic strip to which she refers from is, it's got to be a very antiquated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> I know. I really, I'm excited about. Uh, like, like, let's hurry through these episodes. So basically, she sees her. She sees Earth, and she goes, "No, it's my hometown." And it's like the reversal. Like, don't go outside. But she's like, "Nah, I'm gonna go outside." And then she goes <laughs> outside and disappears. And then Jamie follows her, and he disappears. And the doctor comes back, sees the TARDIS doors open, and I thought it would have just been hilarious if he's like. No, eh, and then just takes off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but instead he collapses into a very convenient chair. Oh, yeah, he just, like, takes a nap. He's just, like, he's taking a nap, just trying to concentrate. <laughs> I did love the scene with Zoe and Jamie in, they're, like, in nothingness. It's just, like, a white The, the sound stage of nowhere. Yeah, basically. I really you enjoyed just that. slightly see where the wall meets the floor. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, <sighs> and then you. this is where I just talked about the camera work, the pullback over. We get those robots. Yes. I love, the, I love these robots, and I love the sounds they make. Just this kind of, you know, almost modulated, not chip tune, but there's just... It's like somebody just piped static into an oscillator and just tweaked it's a, with it. It's a very uncomfortable noise. It is. That's right. Yes, that's what it is. It's, it is It is a very uncomfortable noise. And they are taken. Are they taken at this point? I don't think um, they are. I'm honestly trying to remember because the episode kind of got kind of trippy here. I think the robots start doing this like uh, hypno thing like from these. I don't know if they're ray guns or what on their chests, but you know the, the special effects department is superimposing these concentric circles, these like hypno circles. Now, is this also when we get that weird? Um, it's it's like Jamie and Zoe are looking at themselves, kind of like beckoning themselves. I think so. That yeah. was creepy. <laughs> this, yeah, this was this was getting really weird. This was the point where I went, "Oh God!" Imagine watching this yes. when it first aired. This would have been just mind-bendingly, just a freak out. Yeah, and they, I believe, at this point, they oh because their other selves are wearing all white. I remember that. 
Yes. Like they did a really good job with like the color differential where our original Zoe and Jamie were wearing like darker colors, but then these Mm -hmm. weird beckoning ones were wearing like completely different. They were wearing like all white. Yeah, they were. And I think even at one point when the doctor kind of comes to and he's actually trying to get Jamie and Zoe back into the TARDIS. He pokes his head out, or he, I can't remember if he pokes his head out or he steps out of the TARDIS. But the TARDIS itself is white. Yes, yeah, he comes completely out of the TARDIS to come and get them. That's right. And they get back into the TARDIS, and they're kind of like they take off. Well, hang on. Before they take off, did you notice that the background of the TARDIS, where where the, all the little roundels are on the wall, mm-hmm. it was just it was totally painted. It was like a canvas drop cloth with the painted background i did not notice that wow really it totally was yes it, i tripped out at that scene i was like wait a second what's going on that's not what the background of the tardis looks like now you know, normally did it change like they went out of the tardis and then came back in and it was different you know i did not play it back because and check that that would be very interesting that would be very interesting and, but it was kind of funny that go ahead I was going to say, and that's probably what happened. They they figured, like, as soon as the Doctor leaves the TARDIS and they come back, they're not... Like, as soon as he leaves the TARDIS and they think they come back into the TARDIS, that never happens. Like, oh, that would, that would make so much sense. So that's why it would look like a backdrop. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, I love that. Because it's kind of funny because, yeah, the, the Doctor goes, oh, well, look, the TARDIS is acting normal, and then right away is like, oh, that's odd. <laughs> yes. And... When they get back into the TARDIS, I feel like Jamie, he's like, I got to lay down or something. Yes. Like right away. He's like, uh, I, I need a rest. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm overtaxed. And he's just freaking out. He's having like a fever dream and he wakes oh, up yes. and, right. and he, he tells starts... them about the unicorn Yeah, and how the unicorn's coming for them and he, he just couldn't move. And, and then we all start to hear the noise like this. It's yes. like a high pitch kind of screechy noise. Another very uncomfortable noise. Yeah, it's 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 uncomfortable, but you could still like listen to it. It, it yes, it right. wasn't like unbearable. <clears throat> and then the, <laughs> the TARDIS just explodes, like yep. explodes, and we see the TARDIS console. It's just kind of spinning, and, and like Zoe's clinging on, looking all kind of sex kitten at first. Yeah, it was like I thought she was going to start singing like a ballad or something. It looked like it was out of a music video. Yeah. Oh my god, that was hilarious. And Jamie's like playing a bass guitar or something. (laughs) Better that than the bagpipes. And (laughs) so they're they're hanging on, like Zoe and Jamie are hanging on to the TARDIS console, and the Doctor's just floating, and Mm -hmm. Zoe says. Jamie looked the doctor, and as soon as she hits the period on that sentence, lets out the biggest scream ever. Like, there is no pause. Okay, yes. It's just, like, straight up just screaming. Like, t- terrifying. Yep. And doctor's just floating around, and I that's around where part one ends. Mm-hmm. And part two, we get a little, you know, it, it always gives us the, the little um, recap. Of like the last minute. And then we're just, we're in in a place. We're just in a place. Forest-ish looking thing. Yes. And Jamie runs into this, he runs into a, 
I, th- I feel like is he looks like a Civil War kind of guy. No, no, no. It's earlier than that. It's uh, it's uh, a British red coat. Think more. Oh, uh, yes, yes, seventeen hundred. Yes. And he shoots him and turns him into cardboard cutout. Yep, cardboard cutout, Jamie. So first of all, we're just it's like, what is going on? Totally. And then Zoe, she opens like a door. Into the, the most poorly built castle ever. Yes. She opens this door and just falls into a hole. Yep. And One step in. Whoa! And she's just gone. And yep. I love when this is the first time we see like the control room that looks like it's Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget <laughs> looking at some screens. Oh my God. Yes. Does it ever. And he's just looking at the doctor and... It's so funny because we join the doctor after we see whatever has happened to Jamie and Zoe. And Mm -hmm. even I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this is a poorly lit set. What is going on here? And then he says, it's like exploring a maze in the dark. And then the light turns on. Right. Wasn't that great? I was like, yes, this is fantastic. And And doesn't he like shout thanks? He does shout thanks. That's right. And then we meet, uh, I did not know what to call him at first because his character was not revealed to us. I just called him the Traveler. That works for now. Yes, who is a extremely tall man um, who also mentions my birthday on this episode. Aw, nice. May the 4th. Hey, that's hey. my birthday. And he also mentions, He. I think he's speaking in French. Uh, yes. And he accuses the doctor of being like a um, like a pickpocket or a thief. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, no, I literally have no idea where I am. I've lost my friends. And he, this guy seems, he, he keeps talking about the master, not that master. He keeps right, talking, <laughs> he keeps talking about this master. And then he's kind of like, well, I can't help you. Sorry. All right, bye. <laughs> And then we get, I did not know what to call this group of children, so I just called them the Riddle Children. Oh, that's better than what I called them. Well, it might not be better than that. I was just reminded of the the Von Trapp kids from Sound of Music. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Um, yes, they were just saying riddles to him, and I feel like they, didn't they have a sword? Yes. They had a sword, which was thrown up into the air after oh no they like held it against the doctor and they asked him uh to mix up the words of sword and what do you get and he said words and they threw the sword up in the air and it came back down and it was a book that at this point i'm going oh my god this is so brilliant this is so crazy and so just neat and yeah, this it, is where I was kind of really starting to get sucked into the story. It it, it was it was Alice in Wonderland, it, very much. In it a was, lot of ways, it was. It's just like a weird acid dream. Very, uh-huh. very much. Can you imagine if this had actually been in color too? Oh my god, no! I don't even want to know. <laughs> and I I feel like is this around? Okay, so this is around the time that he finds the cardboard cutout of Jamie. But for at this point. We keep hearing Jamie and Zoe's voice, mm-hmm. and they're like, so they're still being, they're basically being used to move the story, oh, we'll, we'll get to that, to move the story along and to get the doctor to where he needs to be. Yeah, the doctor's definitely being kind of played. Yes, at this- and then we get the, um, Jamie is safe and well, 
thing and he puts the, mm-hmm. he puts the book down the well and the well laughs at him. Yes. And then the doctor turns around to face the cardboard cutout and Jamie's face has gone and there's a board that has a, this has all happened. This is actually really happening. <laughs> there's a board that has a bunch of like it has eyes, nose and mouth. Yeah. And he has to put Jamie's face back together. Um, and then when he does so, Jamie will come back to life. And uh, the doctor gets it wrong. And he immediately goes, oh, no, I've gotten it wrong. And then enter Hamish Wilson as our Jamie for, like, I want to say an episode and a half. Basically. Um, yeah. This was brilliant. This was, this was utterly brilliant. And I I almost wonder, this had to have been on the fly. Well, I would imagine so, because, you know, Jamie, I mean, uh, Fraser Hines obviously starts filming the story, and then it's like, um, guys, I've got chickenpox. I've got to be out for a couple weeks. I would love to see the original script. Right? Yes. Just because I thought this was the most interesting and creative thing in this entire serial and that's saying something <laughs> it it totally is i mean this this really is just a a spot on top notch move to be like well look we got to keep the story going uh what are we going to do for a couple of weeks um hey here's an idea let's do this <laughs> and i bet you anything somebody in the writers room went oh my god that's so crazy it just might work well it's and it also it fits for the world they've created Perfectly. So it's like, it's not out of the realm. They could have just been like, well, Jamie's a cardboard cutout for two episodes. Yeah. And that's the end of it. But they were like, no, let's go for it and let's cast this other dude. And he was great, too. He was. At points when we first were kind of introduced to him, like, I kind of feel like Owen Wilson was brought in to play Jamie. (laughs) I don't know why I was getting that vibe, but I totally was. So it's, it's basically, it is Jamie... He and he looks at his face and goes, "What did you do to my face?" So <laughs> it's the same character. It's not. It's not like he. They're it's being not like tricked. He has different memories or yeah. anything. Um. So <sighs> fantastic. I I loved that. And it then was so I feel like is Zoe in episode two? Besides the beginning, don't they get her back too? Or is that an episode? Um, is that an oh episode gosh. three? You know, I don't. I don't think we do see her again until I have part no notes three. I don't either, actually. So, but I I do know toward the end of part two, Jamie climbs up on top of one of the trees here. Okay, she does come back. Okay, I do remember this. Okay, so they get her out of the. Oh yeah. yes, because what she'd fallen into was like a jar. When is yes. a door not a door? It's there, a jar. There's the riddle. Yes. Yes, of course, of course. And then she was in the jar. They get her out of the jar. She goes, "Who's this?" And she goes, "It's Jamie." And She's That's like, right. no, that makes no sense. And the doctor says, I'll explain it later because he screwed mm-hmm. up real bad. And <laughs> they, the That's travelers, the travelers back again. Like we see him throughout this maze a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And this is when I believe Jamie climbs to the top of the of one of the quote unquote trees. Yes. And finds out that it's just a forest of words. Which, oh my God, as someone who is a lit major in college, I mean, that that's just the coolest flipping thing. Yes, it's very just, and as the story goes along, that fact becomes even cooler. Oh, totally. 
and the traveler's back again and i feel like he he can't see the robots i feel like we see the toy sh- oh this is when we see the toy soldiers mm-hmm. and i love They're kind of minecraftian faces yes i loved the design of the toy soldiers i thought they so were really good. really cool and i feel like we're kind of led into a like a pitch black area where uh-huh. we get the unicorn yeah the unicorn's back in one of the most bizarre cliffhangers i think i've ever seen y- yes where the unicorn is charging at them lots of close-ups there oh, so many close-ups and, <laughs> and that basically ends part two and then in part three the doctor says you guys need to it unicorns don't exist say that it doesn't exist they say that the unicorn doesn't exist, and it turns into a cardboard cutout. Boink. The easiest way to make cardboard cutouts. Michael Jordan doesn't exist. Poof. There you go. Cardboard cutout. <laughs> and this is, I think, my favorite part of this was when Jamie gets shot by the guy again and becomes a cardboard cutout. <laughs> and then the the doctor says, oh, yeah, I had to do this before. And Zoe is just like, are you serious? Because so, that's the reason why he looked different, because she, he did it wrong. Oh, yeah. And I totally had that moment. I'm like, wow, blew his face off. Yeah. <laughs> so they figure it out, and they we have original. We have Fraser Hines back, which was just, I, I still just, that's such a cool thing that they did. It really, really is. And we see a spooky castle. If I'm, if I'm missing anything, let me know. I I will let you know, but boy, I tell you, there is there is so much a lot. Yeah, so if we if we miss something, it was probably minor. But go watch the story and enjoy it anyway. I would also this is just a general classic Who statement. I I noticed that part three I take the least amount of notes for. Really, it's always part three. I take like no notes, <laughs> and I don't know why. I think I've got just a little bit more three than I do two in mine. But anyway, now we have so we have the the toy soldiers. We have the yeah. the robots. Yes. And at one point, Jamie does something very smart, and he notices that the the robot has like almost like a third eye, and he kind of decides like that is the eye it sees out of, so he covers it right to get away probably, from it. Probably also the most easily defeated vest ever. <laughs> yes. The toy soldier, yeah, this, he's got this little like almost lamp thing up in his in his tall hat, and that is what it's also the camera. Um, and yeah, basically, he just kind of like after Jamie runs off, just kind of like swings his head. <laughs> okay, it's off. The chase is back on. There's also like a lot of the doctor trying to convince Zoe that these things don't exist. Mm-hmm. So we have like, um, how does she pronounce Minotaur? The Minotaur, I think she says. Minotaur. Minotaur. (laughs) Yes. They both pronounce it differently, though, which I thought was very funny. Thank you, British pronunciations. And so we get another thing with that, and the the Minotaur just disappears. And Mm -hmm. then this is where we get the reveal of the Traveler. Yes. So at this point, I believe... Oh, and I didn't take this note, but I do remember thinking they all go into the spooky castle... And then their first thing they th- think they should do in this place where reality does not seem to be fixed at all, they split up. 
that's true. So Jamie's by himself. He's kind of on the run, and Zoe and the Doctor are they. I think they go into like the cave. That's where they see the Minotaur. It doesn't exist. It disappears. Then we see right. the Traveler, and then we find out who the Traveler actually is. And uh, Taylor, would you like to tell the fine people who this man turns out to be? Is Gulliver? Yeah, <laughs> and. And we ultimately learn he can only speak in dialogue from Gulliver's Travels. Which is, that's even crazier. It's manic and, and marvelous all at the same time. It's just but so now, haven't, haven't by this point, haven't we also had Jamie go scrambling up the rocks only to be rescued by Rapunzel, who apparently notices that people like tugging her hair? Yes, so... So Jamie is running up these rocks and he to get away from the toy soldiers. And he's like, well, I can't go up anymore. If I go back down, the toy soldiers will get me. But if only I had a rope and then the rope appears and then he he climbs up it. And it's yeah, it's Rapunzel's hair. Yep. And he's like, can I like she she's like, are you a prince? And he's like, no, no, I'm not. Can I still come in? She's like, all right, cool. (laughs) So she lets him in. And then he, I think, leaves the room she's in, right? And then it's not a castle. It's like a spaceship futuristic crazy thing. It totally is. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, is, okay, the, this is Rapunzel's spaceship or yes. her her microfiche machine? And then all of a sudden, like, I'm seeing, like, like the doors and the lights and the story names. And I'm like, is he just in a giant hard drive? It was... It, I almost was like, okay, is this the only thing that is real on this entire place and everything else is kind of like chameleon circuited and not completely real, but is, I don't know, I was didn't know. Kind of what it seems. And then he finds this computer that is literally writing the story of what is happening. Yeah, it's a little ticker tape machine. And he's reading about Zoe and the doctor and how they are about to meet up with Medusa. Ah, and her stop motion snakes. You know what? I I I didn't hate it. <laughs> it no. didn't look great, but it was fine. I I grew up with like Clash of the Titans and a lot of the stop motion animation. Yeah. So so stuff like stuff like this I think is fantastic. But now we've got a character from mythology who if you look at her, like if you don't blink at her. You turn to <laughs> stone. Yes. Is Medusa the anti-weeping angel? Or did Medusa create the weeping angels? Oh, dude, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> As her weird army. Oh, my God, dude. That, I want to see that happen. That would be cool. Medusa's like an evil time lady, and, and she... Yeah. Oh, I like that. And this entire time... We've already, it's like, Zoe, we've been through this, like, twice. The Unicorn, the Minotaur, and now Medusa. It's not real, but she, she, for some reason, is like, I don't know, maybe she is? (laughs) It's possible. She sure looks real, sort of. And that's how episode four, or I'm sorry, episode three ends. Mm -hmm. And then episode four, I actually, (laughs) it's funny because I don't have notes about how they got out of that situation. I assume it was just the same as the others. 
where it's just uh, like it's not real and that was it. Per- yeah, and I thought Jamie was just going to narrate the rest of this story oh. at first because he was just sitting there reading. I'm like, oh no, we've moved into exposition. And uh, the really the only thing I have in in my first note in part four is what is this thing? <laughs> and it's um yep. the car. It's it's the crackus mm, carcass. The carcass. Right, which sounds like, hey, it's a dead body, it's a carcass. No. no. K-A-R-K-U-S. Or to which I have in my notes, lol, crazy ass superhero. Yeah, so, um, I and this is also <sighs> a, I believe it's a giant in Harry Potter mythology, which I thought, Oh, really? Yes, which I thought was even funnier. Interesting. And we get, so the... The carcass. The carcass. This guy is, he's wearing like a Zorro mask and he has like a a body suit that is (laughs) supposed to be muscles. He's got like a 36 pack. Yes, it's ridiculous. This man is overdone muscles. Yes, he is ridiculous. And this is, I think, when I fell in love with Zoe was when she was just destroying this dude. Like just she was I don't even know what she was what she would call it was like a judo throw. She'd just it, take it, his it's list. Totally what a yes, my note started off was like, Oh my god, karate Zoe. I'm like, I think I'm in love. And then <laughs> I'm like, Oh wait, no, yeah, she's doing these throws, but then she gets him like in this headlock at the end and I'm like, Holy crap, dude, he's tapping out. Yes. So she def- <laughs> I'm like, Oh no wonder John loved this. She could wrestle. Yes, yeah, she she defeats the car- the carcass. And, um, and the look of the look of delight on her face afterward, yes. where he's like, "I I I am at your command now," and she's like, "Heck yeah, you are, buddy." The best part is, I you know, because you're supposed to be like, just just say he's not real, and he'll turn in the cardboard, and the doctor's like, "I have no idea who this is." Yeah, he's I, like, don't, I know don't know me. if he's real or not. I've never heard of him. <laughs> And she's like, what is wrong with you? Don't you read? Con-? Now, I looked it up because I was like, OK, like most things in this, this is actually probably a thing. I've just never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not. <laughs> it's a thing they made up. So they they invented a completely fictional comic strip superhero from the 21st century. Yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> How has somebody not started a carcass webcomic? Now, I I did look it up, and I believe there's, like, one or two. Um, I don't know, like, if they've continued to do them, but there's, like, two of them that I saw. Really? Yeah, somebody has drawn them. Nice. Um, and I guess along the way, we all, we all meet back up, and we're going to meet the master. Not that master. Not that master. And... <sighs> And my first thought is he doesn't seem that bad. I mean, he's seen, like in everything else we have seen the back of his head, and and he's like maniacally laughing. And it's but in this meeting, at first he seems like a good dude. He's like, oh yeah, I used to, you know, I I I just found myself here. I was I used to write this thing for this book. It's called Captain Jack Hearthway. Nah, Hark away <laughs> at hearth he Hark does away. eventually seem kind of manic though doesn't he yeah he's like he's a writer and he wants the doctor to take over for whatever the end goal of this place is it, it's almost like he's working for the great intelligence 
Yeah. But not which which actually don't they call it the uh, the master brain? Yeah, I think it is it the master brain. Yeah, it's the master brain. Um, which and, is and strange. The doctor, it is, but the doctor also kind of implies that, oh, you're being held prisoner here, and boy, that cotton candy machine behind him did not like that. Oh no, it didn't like that at all. <laughs> I was very upset about that. <laughs> and then the doctor refuses this offer. And then it turns out that this dude is super evil, and he crushes Zoe and Jamie in a book. (laughs) And my note for that is, don't close the book on them. (laughs) Get it? Get it, guys? I need to find a a rim shot sound effect and insert that. Oh, boy. I'm so sorry, everyone. No, that was... I liked that. Hey, you know what? He was sitting there being like, here's what's going to happen. I'm like, look, dude, you're giving away spoilers. Yes. Authors don't do that. What the heck? He's being very spoilerific. And now we move on to part five, which is the most bonkers thing. Oh, man. That I've seen in a while. So Jamie and Zoe are now under the control of the master. I feel weird calling him the master, but that's what I'm going to call him. Well, he he ultimately kind of refers to himself as the controller. Uh, yes, as the controller. Which I'm like, so why didn't we call you that from the beginning? I have no idea. Maybe like halfway through, they're like, oh, the master, that sounds like a better name for something else. Maybe we should call <laughs> Save that. Save that for later. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, though, they do a nice transition right at the beginning of the episode between like, like a matte painting of the castle and then, yes. like, the actual castle set where Jamie and Zoe come out of the door. Yes. Loved it. And yeah, it was a nice effect. The, my notes are kind of a jumbled mess here. Um, yeah, me too. I feel like the the doctor is, he's on that, like, little walkway outside, and Rapunzel's there, and um, Carcass is there, too. And he needs to get down into this room to mess with something. Yeah, like he 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 sees like the I don't know the the master typewriter. Yes, and he's like doing stuff on that, and then he comes back up. Then the riddle children come back and are just like hanging out. It it does. It, it all gets to be kind of. I feel like we should be at Central Perk and they should all be sitting on a couch together sipping coffee. Yes, there's so many <laughs> people. There's just so many people on screen. and it, You know what it reminds me of? Hmm. It totally reminds me of like a high school play where you have everybody on set and everybody's supposed to have at least one line yes. and it all builds off the previous person and it's almost really kind of contrived in a way in, in at least in the high school setting this not quite as much yeah definitely i feel like he's the controller which is what i'm gonna call him now the controller ends up what does he do he sends zoe and jamie after the doctor to retrieve him because he's like this guy's gonna take over my job whether he likes it or not pretty much yeah and we get a, a brilliantly a uh, bit of maniacal laughter from Jamie and Zoe. Yes, they're like, Doctor, get in the delightful. TARDIS. Get in the TARDIS. He's like, oh, the TARDIS, yay, hooray. And he gets <laughs> in there, and they just laugh at him. They close the door, and it, like, falls over, and he's in, like, this weird glass Basket thing. And those yes. children just laugh at him and, like, press their... It's, like, horrible. I oh, it is. It. it totally is. But, John, I've got a question for you. Yes. That that I was inspired by when I saw this part of the episode. 
do you think that Stephen Moffat has a room that is designed kind of like the controllers where he kind of sits and schemes up all sorts of stuff for the doctor to endure? And has children laugh at him? Well, I don't know about that so much. I'm thinking more the the master brain slash cotton candy machine. Oh, I bet. Just that kind of setting where that that's where he goes to kind of think up what to do for the next episode or season or whatever. Yeah, I'm 100%. He has a room like that. You need to Photoshop a black and white picture <laughs> of uh, Moffat in place of the controller. Oh, hmm. my God. What am I doing at work this week? <laughs> so... For some reason, the controller says, I'm going to give you equal power. And man, that was a bad idea. Yeah, did not set those sysadmin permissions correctly, did he? No. And as um, as Jim Ross would say, business is about to pick up. <laughs> there are just so many things happening. Just, I can't even name them all. At one point, not even close. Cyrano de Bergerac shows up. Oh my God! That whole scene—they—they're literally—they're literally having a battle of wits. And for some reason, the controller has decided, yeah, on top of all this, we're going to take over Earth. Yes, Just, that's, we'll throw that in for good measure. Yeah, I want to take over Earth. And this whole scene is basically the greatest and then ever. Oh, completely! <laughs> it is like an improv classes and then. It's, yeah, it is. It, it, it is two literate people going at each other in like a round robin story setting where it's like, OK, this character shows up and um, he's got a ray gun and this character shows up and he's got a sword. And but, oh, the ray gun's out of batteries. And OK, well, now now it's this guy and he's in a suit of armor and it's, now it's Blackbeard and it just to watch it and listen to it. It was the most overwhelming and almost giddy, yes. delightful kind of thing to watch. I don't even know how to describe it. So it goes uh, Cyrano de Bergerac and then D'Artagnan, and they have a That's... little sword fight, and then it goes Blackbeard and then Sir Lancelot in full armor. On a horse. On a horse. So just think of just the casting they had to do, and it was like mm-hmm. you're in this for like three seconds. That's it. I thought that was so funny. Oh, it's, I'm, I literally, my note is, and I don't do as many all in caps notes as you do, <laughs> but this is all in caps, no spaces. Oh, wow. Oh my God, this is fantastic. And then I have a sub point, <laughs> also all in caps and bonkers. <laughs> picture that, people. That's brilliant. So oh. the controller decides when in doubt, just kill everything. Um... And Zoe and Jamie, they, they end up, they're like, we, there's got to be something we can do. Because they're hanging out behind the cotton candy machine. Just, they're not really doing anything. So they go, let's just press a bunch of buttons. Yep, when in doubt, push all the effing buttons. Yes, which is what they do. And they basically overload the master brain and save mm-hmm. the controller, which is nice. They take him away. Yeah. And it, it just kind of ends. <laughs> It, yeah, it it really. I'm. Could we have spared three more minutes I w- at the end to like kind of have a little bit more closure on this episode? Yeah, I I, 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 I don't I, they kind of like get back to the TARDIS and they're like, wait, is this the TARDIS? 
I really hope so. Boink, there it is, end of the episode. Yeah, that would have even been better, but this episode just straight up just ends. Like It was so weird. I am not used to any Doctor Who story ending that abruptly. Yeah, it was uh it was very strange. I I did not I was not that was the if if there's anything about this story that was like lacking, it was that. I'll I'll give you that, but it it was interesting because as I was doing research on this episode, I I actually read that uh, the story before it I think was supposed to be six parts. Oh wow! And this one was only supposed to be four. Oh jeez! But that but that one got cut down so all of a sudden this one had more time which is why i think one or two of the episodes is only like 19 minutes long it's a sub 20 minute episode yeah that's true i did i did notice that one of them was a little uh shorter than the others yeah yeah and even then could you have spared three minutes at the end of this (laughs) one to give it some closure it's two minutes two minutes three is being greedy i realize yeah that could have been nice but oh well we can't we can't have all the nice things but overall i think we both thoroughly enjoyed this i yeah this was just so good this i will point this to anyone i i will highly recommend this one. Oh, absolutely i i i tweeted out after finishing this last night i think this might be one of my you know new favorite episodes of classic who oh yeah definitely it's it and, is up there you know, having having a family who is used to only watching New Who, if I could actually get them to sit down and be like, okay, look, I want to show you classic Who. Yeah. And instead of showing them like a Tom Baker episode, which I would kind of default to or something, I'm going to show them this. <laughs> yes, definitely. And it's like, yes, it's going to be bonkers. But, but think of all the thought and the planning and, and, and everything that had to go into actually having this story not only be bonkers, but coherent for 99% of it. Yeah, definitely. A lot, a lot of work went into this, and it it paid off, I think. This is just oh, very, and, very good. And then some. I'm going to tell you right now, if um, I click on this director's name and he's directed other Doctor Who, that will be the next episode we do. That's fine by me. Like... I am, this guy's great. I really like him a lot. If you click on it and he's only done this one, I'm going to be a little heartbroken. I think I might be too. I'll I'll check after we're off air. But we, we right. have one last thing that we need to talk about, and that is your choice for oh. next time. Yes, indeed. I get to choose the next one. And I, I'll be honest, I tossed between what I did choose and the third Doctor's first story because we seem to be doing a few first stories here uh recently which i believe was spearhead from space yes Uh, and i decided to go with this one instead because honestly for the life of me i don't ever remember seeing it (laughs) and ladies and gentlemen it is the three doctors starring william hartnell patrick troughton and john pertwee as the doctor caroline john as liz nicholas courtney as the brigadier yay and yay! And Stephen Thorne is Omega or Omega, depending on what side of the pond you're from. Uh, it was written by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, not Bob Barker. That's different. He's on The Price is Right, right, or, or was on The Price is Right. And it was directed by Lenny Maine. All right, I have actually seen this, and I am uh, I am excited to rewatch it and revisit it with you. It should be a good time. No doubt, I'm excited. So. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search the Podcastica. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Team Hate, and you can follow Taylor on Twitter at Apex Buddha. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just search the Podcastica. Look for the Gallifrey in writing. And give us a rate and review as well. That would be awesome. Huge shout out to the Y-Axes. They do our music and are actually releasing a new album, I believe, in about two months. I'm very excited for it. You will hear um, the song that intros us and outros us on that album. I believe it is actually the very first song on that album. Very exciting. You can check them out. Cool. on facebook.com slash the y-axis for all of their information and head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com and buy one of our podcastica shirts they're pretty neat guys and you should have one and we would appreciate it if you bought one totally so that is it for us this week join us again next time as we hang out with all three doctors the first doctors and we will talk to you guys then see ya see ya Taylor on Twitter at Bus Buddha. Subscribe to us Wait. on. Ooh, what? Hold on. Nope, that's not your handle <laughs> nope, anymore. That's not it. Um, do you just, Ape- no, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Hold on. Right, here we go. At Apex Buddha. <laughs>